So our gospel text from today comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. Then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will also reward you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and a glory to you and an inspiration to your servants. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So right off the bat, it is important here to remind everybody, Jesus is preaching to the choir. He's not condemning any of them as hypocrites. He's saying don't be like hypocrites. Because the Holy Spirit moves every single believer to grow generous. You might not believe that looking at some of them, but yes, he does. If they are indeed, indeed disciples, the Holy Spirit makes us more generous. Yet, Jesus knew our every weakness, as the song says. So while he's not calling any of his disciples the hypocrites, someone who merely acts the part like we talked with the kids, He's warning his disciples to not be like them, to not do things the same way as they do. Because let's face it, we all get bad examples, right? There are patterns in this world that we learn. There's weeds that choke the grain. There's always Adam's curse that he would be a farmer and weeds would come up and always just get in the way. Those things seem to spring up readily. And what's more, in Jesus' apostle. I mean, in Jesus' parable about sowing and weeds, the tars, the tares, sorry, of pride, of arrogance, self-concern, Scripture states the enemy plants among the good seed. Such is the concern for opinion. It is a fake wheat. It looks just like Christian work. It acts just like Christian work, and the beggars can't be choosers. They'll take it just like Christian work. But any seeking of approval, any seeking of a benediction from worldly flesh, Proverbs tells us, The fear of men bringeth a snare. Whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. But I'll give him this. Bad examples can be flashy. And in Jesus' day, they really knew how to do it. They'd come out and they'd blow a trumpet and that would call all the beggars together. And I can only think of what I see in Hollywood movies, but they would always, uh, especially in medieval times, they'd take coins and all the beggars would come up and they'd put the coin into his hand and they'd give the guy the blessing. But such almsgiving, if you really thought about what was going on socially, about how there, there was no democracy in first century AD, it was frankly cynical. The kings are just spending a few coins. They're using a blessing to even make those coins go further, to stretch it out, to get social order. Oh, see how magnanimous the emperor is. He gave me a couple pennies. But the real matters, the real money, the real money making, that goes untouched. 
And even today, I read in the newspaper, there are some who give money to build hospitals, to train doctors, even in our local area and at some very prestigious schools who it's turning out they cynically were using them as fronts to sell painkillers. And what destruction have we seen in our local community from people who hand out alms and blow a trumpet and sometimes put their names on things? My friends, God is not mocked when it comes to that kind of stuff. And Jesus knows his disciples don't give for the reason of being cynical and controlling others. Yes, Jesus knows that even a disciple who blows the trumpet, yada, 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 is giving from a good heart. But Jesus wants to push them further. He speaks of rewards today, and that's where I'd really like you guys to go. Because along with not being mocked, God also only pays once. Jesus wants us to earn eternal blessings. And rewards in Scripture, they are always a grace. We never earn them. God always gives more than the action actually we'd think gives back in reciprocity. For a cup of water, Jesus says, enter into eternal life. So God, when he pays, he pays out big. He gives the entire kingdom. But it is always possible in the Christian life to forfeit rewards by accepting a consolation prize. And that's what Jesus is talking about today. He warns against being seen against getting up on your giant and handsome camel and handing out alms as you go through Jerusalem and looking good. That's a consolation prize. Now, when you're generous, you earn a good reputation, and that happens naturally, and it is good in many ways. But when a good reputation, when appearing saintly, becomes an end unto itself, our eyes drift from the main concern. We grow wide, we get a tad puffed up. Well, don't you know I'm the important reverend? You can't talk. But we don't grow upwards. We don't transcend. That is the issue with opinion. Human approval. Jesus had given in the Beatitudes that we looked at a while ago, and we've been repeatedly going at, which are the introduction to this Sermon on the Mount. He gives warnings of persecution. And this is another reason why going after approval it's dangerous. Anyone who's seriously Christian will find the world's approval fleeting. As Proverbs stated, they'll find the fear of men a snare. Because if you get addicted to human praise, if you get addicted to being invited, and you get addicted to being the rabbi that they stick up and praise at all the banquets, you really better watch that rope around your ankle. Because when opinion invariably shifts, and yes it will, that anchor has drawn down many a soul. There are those who abandon sound doctrine, they abandon the gospel, they give up the real, real reward to fit in with peer pressure. And that's not just always the kids talking other kids into doing bad things, sometimes that's us trying to stay respectable, to keep people liking us. It's just water that goes deep, which is why Proverbs tells us, safety is the fear of the Lord. Be more afraid of him than you are of anyone else, and you've got nothing to be scared of. And that's kind of the plain teaching of today's lesson, is that if you give alms, 
Do it with an eye to God, not to what people think. But I think we have more applications, because let's face it, how many of us are rich enough that we can go get a trumpet and go to downtown Manchester and start handing out coins to poor people? That's not where most of us live, work, and have our being. But I think in all this, there's a contrast being drawn between what we would call the glory work, which gives you pride and makes you friends, and grunt work, which nobody really notices. It's it's ignoble. And people sometimes even dislike you just because you do grunt work. One people praise, the other people take for granted. And ask any Christian worker, people that work in this church, in food pantries, or anywhere around the globe, there's a lot of grunt work, hustle, pot scrubbing, help getting, fundraising, and just plain time sacrificed in each ladle of soup. And their example and today's teaching should stir some of us, all of us, to reflection. A lot of kingdom work in these days does not get done because we are self-centered and we will only do it if it is the glory work. People shop churches and they approach religion asking, what's in it for me? What's already built? Where can I fit where people will see me? Now, please do not think me petty here. It's awesome when any ministry does God's work. Yet an attitude prevails in so many places. I'll do it if. I'll do it if it's ready to go. I'll do it if I can feel appreciated. I'll do it if you get five other people to show up. I'll do it if it fits my schedule. I mean, we can even make this run on the edge of, I'll do it, Lord, if I can look good when I do it. Blow the trumpets. Here approaches the small group leader. It was the rabbis and the Pharisees that Jesus is going to most warn here in chapter 6. Because out of all the people, they could do the most good, and they weren't doing it. But beloved, God sees in secret. It's one of those reasons I, I say those ministries do good work is those amazing programs, they didn't spring up out of, out of nowhere. Churches don't get great just because they do. They grow from hearts more concerned with God than with man. They're more concerned about other people than themselves. Great churches put sweat equity into being great. There are hours of chair shuffling, of planning, of toilet scrubbing. But if you were to peel back that veil and look at it as the world sees it, you'd see that us Christians, we put in a lot of hours that we might call wasted because no one shows up. But my friends, God sees. We might feel that we gave that money to that beggar and Whatever happens to it, we don't know. No one saw us give it. It feels wasted, but God sees. So I want to offer encouragement to every Christian worker who's asking their right hand, what am I trying, and their left hand can't give a good answer, that their reward is great in heaven. But even here, God is faithful. You cannot plow, you cannot sow seed in a field, but something grow. Now for a long time, It may look like all we have is an empty mud farm, but the tender shoots do work up. So in a way, what Jesus is teaching today is not just about don't be ostentious. Don't just be a show-off that you have money. 
Christ here is pleading with us to get deeper into this, to do secret work. Because the issue with alms is, out of all the spiritual things we look at, they actually cost something. They cost money. Prayer doesn't cost you anything. Fasting doesn't cost you anything. In fact, you save on your grocery bill. (laughs) But alms actually cost something. And it's at this point of cost that Jesus says, do the secret work. Don't be concerned with what the world sees, the numbers, the steeple size, the popularity. But when we're talking about costs, Christ is warning us off of probably the worst place we could get, which is the throw the money at it attitude. Because that's what these rich people are trying to do. They're blowing the trumpet and they're throwing the money at it, right? Giving in secret, even if it's the same amount, it costs time. You have to go to where the people are. You can't blow a trumpet and have them come to you. You've got to go out to them. So I put a challenge out there to everybody and just ask a question here today. My question is, brother, sister, are you aware of some secret work in your life that you're not doing? Is there a plow to which God has put your hand? Now to those who have and those who have found it and have got the thing moving, I say to you, keep going. But to you, those of you who haven't moved the plow, have found yourself growing weary, I plead with you as we go through this chapter of Matthew, you will find that there is nothing that will satisfy you if this task is undone. My friends, Christians are never volunteers. And in church, we use the term volunteers as the way the world uses it, but I'm going to risk accidentally offending you, so please pay attention to me. In church, we really shouldn't have volunteers because in church we have this thing called a calling. And people that are called are not volunteers. Volunteers worry, what's in this for me? People who are called say, it is my purpose to do this. People who are volunteers say, this takes too much time for me. People who are called say, oh my goodness, this is an opportunity to do what God has called me and put me on earth to do. I will show up and do it even if it's in the middle of the night. My friends, our plow is the purpose to which God has called you. And we cannot substitute it. That malaise that we have in so much of the church and so much of religion where we get into what's the point, God, da 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 that's only cured by embracing that stupid plow. Ask Jonah. Don't fight it or you just end up smelling like fish. And my friends, if you don't know what your calling is, ask. That's what you're called to then at this point. The Lord provides through His Spirit direction. And when given... You've got to trust, because this is where we're also going with this. We often like to think that we're good at this or that, or God's obviously called me to something I'm talented at. God may put you aback with your call. You may feel that you're called by God to go stand out and walk through the temple and hand out the alms to the poor people and give them blessings and look like just the rock star. But they say that deacons were called to serve tables. And Philip did a lot more good for the kingdom than a lot of other people ever did. So our challenge is when we have a call to not despise it. Because that would be being the true hypocrite. To act like we are not called for Christians is hypocrisy. Because we are. We are given task. We're given purpose. And to pretend that we don't have that, to act like that's something that doesn't touch our life, to... Tell God, oh Lord, I'm completely moralist, even though you're telling me what I'm supposed to do and I just refuse to do it. That's what being a hypocrite for a Christian is really about. 
That's where it gets into a situation where we only hand out the alms when we get paid in the way we want. But my friends, God only pays one time. You can have glory with man or you can have glory with God. You can volunteer to please men or you can be called to serve the Lord. If we embrace our callings in our secret heart, we'll find purpose. It may be hard. Trust me, there's a lot of times it just doesn't work. You set out all the chairs, you make a party, and you end up dancing by yourself. You spend hours trying to make friends with someone, and in the end they just decide they don't like you because you follow a different sports team. The only thing I can say for that Let's keep going. Because if we did this just to have people like us, we wouldn't have a Bible or anything. If the whole point of church was just to look good, we'd all be in fancy clothes and driving shiny cars. And that would be the first and second commandment. And the third commandment would be don't, don't act cool because it makes you not look cool. That's not what we're called to. The reason we have these struggles, the reason we have to have faith, and the reason we push onward is we're called to something higher. And it's higher than just having people like you. We're called to having God love us and to telling that to a world that that's the last thing they want to hear. Because <coughs> that's what rejecting the gospel is. It's when you say God loves you and someone says no. That's the cost of Christ's broken heart. And that's what we enter into. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would preserve us from the snare of popular opinion. We pray especially for those teenagers, young people whose lives we touch, that they can get torn apart by popularity. Lord, we pray against the evil that causes young people to hurt themselves because others dislike them. But Lord, we realize how strong that evil is in our own heart and in our own religion. We have decided that by fasting, we're just going to starve ourselves and act religious. You've called us to a fast of service, of actually removing bondage and proclaiming goodness. May you make all your saints dissatisfied with a show of religion, something superficial. But may they enter into the depths of it, and may the depths of your relationship and your Holy Spirit be shown in each and every one of our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.